Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Maria Hale, your host, and with me in studio is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today in our program, we're going to be t- discussing the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This year falls on a Sunday, and as always, is a holy day of obligation. Yes, it so, is. so we talk about Our Lady. I always love to share about Our Lady. Please help us start in prayer. Indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you gave us in the Virgin Mother of your Son, Mary Most Holy, a tremendous gift. A mother not only for your Son, but a mother for the Church, a mother for each and every one of us. Father, we ask that Our Lady intercede for us during this radio program so that our listeners may truly be touched by the love that you have shown us through the Virgin Mother of your Son. So we place this time, Father, in your hands and under the mantle of Our Lady, asking you to lead us and guide us. And all these things we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seat of wisdom. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, Archbishop, we talked a little bit about different feasts and different celebrations and looking at the life of our Lord as we talked about the Transfiguration. Mm -hmm. And also, many of our feasts, if they're around Our Lady, are about different aspects of her life. We talked about Mary, Mother of God. But also, there's this feast that recalls the assumption. And so what exactly is the assumption? What does it actually mean as we start to look at this feast? Why is it important? Do we even actually need to believe it? But when we hear the word assumption, which is different than ascension, because the ascension of our Lord is something that God did, he did on his own. But the assumption is something different connected with Our Lady. Correct. Um, the, The assumption celebrates the fact that Mary... And we have to be very uh, careful about how uh, we say this because it wouldn't even be proper to say upon her death uh, Mm -hmm. was assumed body and soul into heaven because there's theological debate, discussion about exactly how how our our life, our lady's life in this world came to an end. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think I I don't have the words in in front of me, but I think even when when Pius XII proclaimed the the solemnity or the the mystery the dogma of the of the assumption of our lady i think he put it something to the effect of uh when her time in this world came to an end she was assumed body and soul mm-hmm. into heaven because the question is did our lady fall asleep did she die mm-hmm. that's kind of the eastern tradition that she actually died and and fell asleep in death but then was was raised up body and soul or you know that that she, when it, her time came to to end her life in this world, was immediately assumed body and soul into heaven. But the the central mystery is mm-hmm. that Our Lady uh, was assumed upon, you can say, her death, or when her time in this world was was finished, when her mission in this world was finished, 
she was assumed, she was taken up mm-hmm. body and soul into heaven immediately. In other words, her body, uh, unlike ours, did not undergo the corruption of, of death and the grave. Uh, but God, uh, as he had given her that singular grace of being immaculately conceived without original sin or without any stain of personal sin, and as she had been given that uh, unique singular privilege of, of bearing uh, the Son of God made flesh in the mystery of the Incarnation and through his birth into the world, so that body was given the singular grace of, of being assumed uh, body and soul into heaven uh, upon her completion of, of, of her life in this world. Um, so that's, that's, that's basically what we are celebrating. But any time we celebrate the, the feast of Our Lady or the feast of any saint— it's, it's always related to the mystery of God. Mm-hmm. It's always related to the mystery of our Lord. In other words, you know, the church in celebrating the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, body and soul into heaven, is really celebrating, as I said, <clears throat> that unique grace that was given to her. And that this body, which God will not allow to undergo the corruption of the grave, this body was the vessel uh, into which God became flesh and entered into our world. And how could God, who had prepared the Blessed Virgin Mary from all eternity, really, and certainly in her immaculate conception, how could God allow that that body that was the tabernacle of the Most High, that had 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 contained the eternal Son of God, how could he allow that body that had nursed uh, the Christ child undergo the, the corruption of the grave as, as our bodies do? And so as a singular uh, grace of, of love for his mother, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus sees to it, you might say, that she, she is raised immediately uh, to be with him in heaven in her bodily form, just as his bodily form is there right. uh, through the mystery uh, of, of his glorious ascension. Uh, so it's, it's a beautiful feast. And, you know, as, as some would speculate, well, why would, you know, why, why is this important, you know? Uh, well, for, for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, you might say, well, why would God do this for Mary? Because he can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like he, he has such a love and, and reverence for his mother that, that he does this for her because he can and because he wants to. Mm-hmm. He wants to, to shower her with his grace and to, for, for her to be with him in heaven in her full bodily form as we will all be one day. And that's, that's, that's a part of the, of the um, a mystery that we celebrate, that you know, what Mary enjoys now mm-hmm. uh, by virtue of a singular grace we will all one day enjoy if if we are uh, found worthy of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, when we die, the tragedy of death really is the separation of the body uh, from the soul. That's what death is for the human person. Uh, and it's a tragedy because uh, God never intended it uh, from the beginning. Remember, we, we read, you know, he did not intend death. And, and had our first parents not sinned, we don't know how 
exactly their life in this world would have ended or how God would have taken care of that. But death as we know it and experience it would not have been part of, of, of God's plan had sin not entered the world and with sin, death, as St. Paul says. So when we die, the tragedy is the dissolution we we are we are we are dissolved in a sense as a, as a, as a, a complete human being because as as humans we are body and soul. When we die and go to heaven, we don't become angels. Uh, and a lot of people have this funny idea about that. Sometimes mm-hmm. is that you know somehow we we become angels and we get wings or something and 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 we are meant to be spirits, free spirits now for the rest of eternity. No, no, no. We are meant to to be raised up one day from the grave, our bodies. You know, we say that, we don't say it in the Nicene Creed that we say at Mass, but we say it in the Apostles' Creed, which we associate most commonly with the Rosary. Uh, you know, we believe in the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the body, mm-hmm. we, I should say, I'm sorry, the resurrection of the body mm-hmm. and the life of the world to come, amen. In other words, we are meant, we are gonna spend eternity body and soul reunited. Yes, our our body now undergoes the corruption of the grave, but on the last day when the trumpet sounds and the dead are raised, our bodies will be raised up and glorified uh, in the sense of, of, of no longer being subject to the corruption of sickness, of ailment, of, of, of infirmity, of age. Um, but we are, we are free. Maybe, maybe much like uh, some have speculated, much like the body of Jesus after his resurrection. But that's how we're going to spend eternity. And w- w- so what Mary enjoys that now. God has given her this single, singular grace so that she can be a sign, really, for all of us uh, of what awaits us. She's a, she's a, she's a, she becomes a beacon of hope for us, really, mm-hmm. that what she now enjoys by this singular privilege that God has granted her, we hope one day to to enjoy also to be with God, to be with Jesus, to be with Mary and the saints in our bodies uh, uh, forever and, and for all eternity. Absolutely. And that's one of our meditations when you talk about the mystery, the mysteries of the rosary, the glorious mysteries, where we focus on Jesus's resurrection, his ascension, of course, the descent of the Holy Spirit. But then it transitions into these final two mysteries, which remind us where we're intended to go. Mm -hmm. Mary showing us the way with Mm -hmm. her assumption Mm -hmm. and then her role as queen of heaven and earth, that coronation, that those two feasts, at least for me, tell me this is what my hope is Mm -hmm. for humankind is to be, and Mary is human. Absolutely. She shares that same body and soul as we do, and so she is that beautiful beacon of hope. Yeah, you know, we we, we don't divinize uh, Mary, you know, and and a lot of of times non-Catholics Especially non-Catholic Christians have a have a wrong understanding mm-hmm. of how we view Mary. Uh, we don't we don't worship her as God. We don't see her as divine. Uh, she is certainly uh, uh, you know the most honored of our race, but she is of our race. Mm-hmm. She is a human being like us in all things, except preserved again from the from the stain of sin by again a singular grace of God. And through the foreseen merits that her son Jesus would would gain for all of us on the on the cross in his in his glorious passion, death, and resurrection, but but she's but we don't we don't see her as as divine. She is one of us. She is one of our race. She is fully, one hundred percent, completely human. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, we, we reserve a special honor for her, a special devotion to her, but it, it, it's not to the point of divinizing her. The church has traditionally used uh, language to, to describe the different kinds of worship uh, that, that we give and honor that we give. You know, they're, they're the highest form of, of worship and praise is what is called latria, which is reserved for God alone. We, 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 we worship God alone with that kind of praise and worship, latria, uh, which is a, a praise and a worship of God as God. And, and, and there's only one that, that is worthy and, and deserving of such worship, and that is God himself. And so latria, the highest form of worship, is given to God alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, 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 the three persons of the, of the Holy Trinity. We, we honor the saints, and, you know, we can, we, I, we, you got to be careful about using the word worship because we don't mm-hmm. use it in the same way. Yeah, you know, you'll hear sometimes, uh, you know, uh, lovers speak of each other this way, right? You know, uh, 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 a man will say to a woman, I absolutely adore you. Or absolutely, I, I, I worship you, mm-hmm. you know, as my, as my beloved, as my spouse. Well, we don't mean that, that he's worshiping her, adoring her as God, uh, but as somebody very special to him. And this is the way we look at the saints. We honor them, we, we adore them, if you will, but in, in this lesser sense that we call dulia. This is the theological term mm-hmm. that the church gives for this kind of honor and, and, and adoration of the saints Dulia, uh, something much lesser than than that worship, which is is due to God alone. But we honor them uh, as 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 very grand figures in our in our faith tradition, and as examples for all of us, and as intercessors and friends in heaven. What we reserve for Mary, uh, Mary is what we call hyperdulia, which is the highest form of this honor and and, and glory that we give to the saints. So it's, it's, it's not latria, it's not the worship that is due to God alone, but it's, it's something more than we give to, the, to all the saints. It's a, it's a special honor, a, a hyper, you know, the word itself, hyper is like above and beyond, yeah. uh, more. It's, it's, a, it's more dulia. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more uh, adoration, more honor is, is a better way to say it, uh, that we give to Mary as, as the queen of all the saints. And that would probably explain why this feast would be a holy day that would be more celebration liturgically that we'd honor this day rather than a memorial or simply a feast, that there's something even more special about recognizing this particular feast in honor of Our Lady. Right, because we have other feasts of Our Lady mm-hmm. that they're, they're either feasts or they are memorials uh, of Our Lady. Uh, sometimes under her different apparitions, but also under some of the other mysteries of her life, uh, the birth of the Mary, birthday. for example, mm-hmm. you know, her birthday. But there's something very important about her assumption uh, as a defined dogma of faith uh, because of, of, again, like the Immaculate Conception, which is also a solemnity and a holy day of obligation, mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's it's these singular graces that point out something very important about the mystery of, of of Mary, but always in relationship to her son Jesus. Again, and and again, I think it's a really important for us to understand this. We celebrate the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, or her Immaculate Conception, for that matter. 
But we were here in August talking about the assumption. We celebrate it uh, not just because, you know, Mary's special and she gets to, to, to not undergo the corruption of the grave like we do. And so we're kind of, it's all about her. It's, it's all about her because it's all about Jesus mm-hmm. and who she is in relationship to Jesus and to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. You know, remember uh, this body, which, you know, was immaculately conceived. Well, her soul was immaculately, you know, conceived. She was immaculately conceived without stain of sin. You know, remember at the, at the, at the mystery of the Annunciation, when the incarnation of the Son of God happens, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and, and announces to her that she is to become the mother of the Most High, and she questions, well, how is this going to be since, you know, I do not know a man? And the, the, the angel Gabriel says to her that, you know, that the, 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 the power of the Most High will, will overshadow you, uh, and, and hence the offspring will be called Holy, the Son of God. And that, that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that the, the word becomes flesh in her womb. And so this body then, which becomes like a tabernacle. You know, we think of the tabernacle in our church, right? right. That, that, that contains the blessed sacrament, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist reserved for communion to the sick and but also for our prayer and adoration. That tabernacle uh, is, is the place of the dwelling of the Most High God, just as the the Israelites saw the tent of dwelling in the Old Testament as the place where God dwelt among His people, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was kept in the tent of dwelling. Um, you know, the tablets of the of, of the commandments of of the, of the Ten Commandments, the tablets of the covenant that God made with Israel uh, through Moses at Sinai, it contained in the Ark of the Covenant, that, that beautifully described ark that was constructed con- to contain the tablets, that ark of the covenant dwelt in the tent of dwelling among the people. And the, the people saw this as the dwelling of God among his people. Well, we certainly have that in the tabernacle of our church because it is truly, not just symbolically, but truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our most high God, Jesus Christ, present. But Mary, her body was for a time a tabernacle that contained the Most High God. And again, at, at, uh, at, at, at her breasts, the, the, the Son of God nursed. This, this, in other words, this body is sacred. There's something very sacred and holy about this body. But it's all in relationship to Jesus, mm-hmm. not to Mary alone. It's, it's, it's really about our Lord. It's about, it's about her relationship with, with Christ as, as the Mother of God. So it, it has a special importance because it's a, it's a remarkable grace and mystery. But it's, it's important uh, in its relationship to the mystery of Christ, whose mother uh, she was, who, whose womb became the tabernacle, the physical womb became the tabernacle of God dwelling among his people in a true, substantial, real way. But also... Again, is that sign of hope for us, what awaits us, that what happens to Mary in the Assumption is meant one day to happen to all of us uh, as, we, as we enter into heaven for all eternity. You mentioned, Archbishop, earlier, this is a, a dogma of the Church, although this was promulgated in 1950, yeah. so it's not very long ago, yeah. but really, over the centuries, Christians yeah. have really just yeah. assumed the assumption, or that it's just been tradition. Right. I think about the apostles. 
One day they were with Mary. She was teaching them. She was guiding them. She was that spiritual mother for the early apostles. And then the next, she's assumed into heaven. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't know how many people are, of our listeners might be following the, um, this, this incredible series, uh, drama series uh, called The Chosen, uh, which is about the life of Jesus. Uh, it's a, uh, what is it, a crowdfunded uh, right. uh, thing, but it's, it's, it's available on an app. You have to watch it on an app, but you can project it to your TV too. But it's interesting, one of the episodes has John, the apostle, interviewing uh, you know, different, you know, apostles, but interviewing Mary and, and getting all this, this stuff down of, of Mary sharing with the apostles, those things that they weren't around for. Mm-hmm. How do we know all these things about the infancy narratives? How do we right. know about the annunciation of, of the angel Gabriel to Mary? How do we know about what happened at the presentation of the temple or when Jesus was, was lost and was found in the temple or, or the flight into Egypt? How do we know all these things from Mary? She's the one that, that told the apostles and the evangelists all these things. But, you know, uh, you know the, the mystery of the, the assumption, you know, it, and this is often, again, sometimes misconstrued or, or misinterpreted and misunderstood, even by Catholics, but, but certainly non-Catholic, our Protestant brothers and sisters. Well, good heavens, you know, the Pope in 1950, Pius XII, just made up this dogma of the church, you know, and how can this be 1950 years after Christ? How can the church suddenly make up some sort of uh, dogma, doctrine, teaching about Mary? You know, it seems so, and it really, it, it, they, they, they struggle with this. What we have to understand about the ex cathedra definition that Pius XII made in 1950 of the proclaiming the dogma of the assumption of Our Lady, body and soul into heaven, was not the creation of a new teaching. It was an affirmation Mm -hmm. in a solemn way of what the church had always believed. You know, and I think that's very important to understand. Uh, it It was time, the church had asked for it, the bishops had asked for it, the, the faithful had asked for this solemn uh, definition. I mean, the church was already celebrating right. her assumption liturgically. You know, in 1950, you know, is not when the Feast of the Assumption appeared, popped onto the church's calendar. The church had been celebrating the Feast of the Assumption for I don't know how many centuries, but it had always been part of the faith of the church, the common faith of the church, mm-hmm. uh, what we might call the ordinary, uh, 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 infallible teaching of the church, ordinary magisterium. Nobody questioned this belief. It had been believed from the earliest days, even in the Eastern and the Western Church. And uh, so what Pius XII does in 1950 is just formalize, if you will, in a solemn way through an ex-cathedra definition of a dogma, what the Church had believed all along. In fact, I, I think it's it's very curious, isn't it, that you... You know, there's always speculation about where so-and-so was buried, mm-hmm. you know, in, in both in Old Testament, New Testament. You know, we, we read about, you know, the, the, the burial of David and David's burial place. We read about Moses and he was buried in such and such a place. But to this day, you know, no one has been able to find the tomb uh, of Moses. We talk about so-and-so was buried here. We know where the apostles were buried uh, by tradition. You know, St. Peter, his bones have actually been discovered under the St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. 
the bones of Paul are out in St. Paul's outside the walls, as, as we talked about last time. And, and other apostles, there's traditions right. that Thomas was buried here, et cetera, et cetera. There's never, ever mm-hmm. been any tradition around the burial place of Mary. You know, there's, you can find stories and traditions about the burial places of every single one of the apostles and the early martyrs of the church. But nobody has ever speculated about, well, where's the burial place of Mary? You know, there's no tradition around that. So the church from the very beginning knew this to be true. Right. Uh, so it's not just a tradition. It's not just a story. It's what is true. And in the, in the, in the apostolic church, the ancient church, witnesses to that, uh, uh, the fact of, of her glorious assumption. Mm, it's beautiful. Well, I want to encourage people again, Sunday, August 15th this year, so yeah, we, we get it on a Sunday. We're which in is mass nice. on Sunday, but be listening for the prayers. Listen to the readings. Again, invite Mary to guide us closer and closer to her son Jesus. That's her role to Mary to lead us. And that's Jesus. important to always remember from yeah. her place in heaven as queen of heaven and earth. Her only desire and goal is to lead us to her son Jesus. Absolutely. So, Mary, pray for us. Amen. Pray for us. And as we do close, please close with your blessing. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. And thank you for listening to The Voice of the Shepherd on Mater Dei Radio. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.